I'm Damien Fowler. And I'm George Slaffel. We're both editors here at The Trade Desk, where we mostly write about digital advertising, the future of TV, and data privacy. But in plain English. That's right, George. No jargon here if we can help it. Together, we decided to bring the insights we usually write about and bring it into the world of audio. And we call this podcast The Current. On The Current, you'll hear from the biggest names in digital marketing, folks like Jay Richmond of Spotify and Josh Brandau of the Los Angeles Times. We're really curious about how the leaders of these companies navigated the tough year that was 2020 and pivoted their business towards success. And today, we'll hear from our first guest, Zena Arnold, the Global Chief Digital and Marketing Officer at Kimberly Clark. Maybe you've heard of Kimberly Clark. Just open up your cabinet and you'll probably find at least two or three familiar brands. Kimberly Clark is most known for their paper goods, such as Cottonelle, Kleenex, and Huggies. But the company is going all in on digital. It's right there in Zena's title. I had to get her thoughts on why the company felt the need to make digital front and center. We're in a time of unprecedented change in our industry. The first era of product sales for consumer packaged goods, this was maybe up until the 50s or so in the US, was mostly driven by distribution. So your product sold because it was on the shelf at a store and there weren't that many choices available. Then in the 50s or so, supermarkets started exploding across the country. Products had to stand out in a sea of competition and and the era of branding began, you know, mass advertising. And now we're building upon that foundation again in this era of data and technology. And it's really allowing us to get to personalized messaging, one-to-one relationships. So just having distribution, just having a great brand isn't isn't enough. Um, Consumers expect more of a value exchange from their products aside from just the physical product itself. So we really need to figure out how to bring that to them. And and digital is the unlock to do it at, at scale. So there's a company, we at Kimberly Clark are leaning into that change in all of our marketing and want to call it uh, what it is to send a message about our focus, digital. I mean, people talk a lot about the digital first mindset. Can you sort of talk us through what's a digital first mindset? A digital first mindset in marketing means you think about digital not just as a channel for your message, but in the message itself, ensuring that it's reflective of the uh, consumer mindset that you're talking to and the places that they'll see and and uh, you know really react to that message. Hey, Zena, I, I wanted to ask you this. You have a really awesome background. You were at Kellogg, but most recently you were also with Google for nearly seven years where your focus was primarily on the the Chromebooks. And, uh, and, and now you're at Kimberly Clark, a CPG brand. What lessons did you learn at Google that you've taken with you perhaps to Kimberly Clark that you're applying today? Because that's that's kind of uh, a unique transition, but it's not unusual in this industry. Yeah, I made I made the transition um, both ways. So having started my career and spending the formative years in in CPG, um, I, I really have a strong appreciation for those fundamentals of brand building and and business building. Um, I, I learned so much in what marketing and general management mean, and I'd say in in CPG companies and and even most traditional companies, the focus is really on 
on efficiency and and we are very strategic in that i mean making carefully considered choices most tech companies at least those that are growing really rapidly are focused much more on growth and aren't afraid to try things you know uh, coming um, to such a wild west environment from such a controlled one when i first made the the leap to google was was really different and i had to figure out how to you know bring all of the process and the skill that I had learned, but just pick the absolute most relevant things to bring in to focus our work and, and improve our results. You know, if I tried to bring the entire process of what we had done um, in, in P&G or Kellogg to a Google, I, I would have been laughed out of the room. Yet um, finding just those few relevant things, I think, was was very much appreciated for us to do because it would help us focus and, and uh, you know, get, get more out of all of the effort that we're putting um, out there. And now that I'm back in, in CPG, the things that I want to bring back from Google are, are in that space of agility, that sense of experimentation, um, really focusing on how we can take many more lower resource risks uh, versus fewer intensive risks, which is more of, of how we had been structured in the past. And again, it comes back to the point of, of digital is really enabling those lower resource, faster um, risk taking that we can do more of and then figure out what to scale to to win. Very cool. And, and you just mentioned your experimentation and taking these lower resource risks. Can you give me an example of that? Sure. We we try, um, for example, to do a lot more um, detailed targeting of our consumers to uh, test out, you know, dynamic messaging. So here's something where in the past, you know, very difficult to create custom messaging, very difficult to deliver that, especially in traditional mediums like television. Uh, in the digital world, we can very rapidly iterate on what some creative looks like, what messaging options are, serve them out to a targeted group of people, see if it works, then we can double down and try to scale it and do it in a bigger way. If it doesn't, great, toss it to the side and let's try something else. No, that's very cool. I've uh, I've spoken to CMOs in the past of major brands, and they're certainly not as tech savvy as you are, which must be refreshing for Kimberly Clark and your team. But let me ask you this, like, like from a programmatic spend point of view, you guys are in 175 countries, uh, serve a quarter of the world's population, which is just nuts. Um, but most of your programmatic spend is in the US. Why is that? Actually, we spend programmatically everywhere in the world. Um, as for how much, it really depends upon the habits of our consumers, the data and channels that are available to us. You know, our ultimate goal is to try to reach the right consumer with the right message at the right time and right cost. And so, dynamics of that really vary across each of those levers, depending upon the category, the country, the the consumer. So, uh, we we do a lot of things programmatically and. I, I'd say even more what used to be traditional channels are being structured with, with the data, which is helping more and more marketing channels have the ability to go programmatic. Zina, if I could jump in here, we're talking about a global perspective here, and your brief is a global one. Um, what does that mean, first off, I mean, to have a global perspective? And, and what kind of worldwide trends from this position have you noticed, um, especially over the last 12 months? 
In the business, we've seen a tremendous acceleration of e-commerce globally. Um, even in places I, I might not have expected it to move as as quickly, and as a result, we're noticing a lot more of our retail partners embracing data and how it can drive their business and help them better connect with their shoppers, which which are our consumers. We're always trying to um, learn and scale from one market to another. And as you know, we, we are becoming more globally interconnected, there's more and more to, to share and, and reapply across markets. I'm really inspired by what our teams have been able to do in China, for example. Um, the top e-tailers there, they make up the majority of the market and they share all data through to transaction and basket details with their product manufacturers. So we've built up a really sophisticated model of marketing math to, to get the right message to, to the right consumer. Uh, so that's one example. We, we've also leaned into um, e-commerce in, in other ways and other markets markets, you know, one, one other place we've seen a lot of success uh, in the direct-to-consumer space is in Korea. Uh, there, we not only sell our own baby care products um, direct-to-consumers, but also have a, a marketplace for other third-party products. And it's, it's a really great uh, consumer experience. Can I ask, and this is because I'm not very sophisticated, but like, when you have data and you can send that right message to the right consumer, what does that exactly do for a CPG brand? Like how does sending me the right message about like something like Scott's toilet paper, for example, what's the return for you, like the brand? Yeah, it's it's basically telling you again at that that right moment. If we know, for example, um, that that someone just bought a twenty four pack of Scott toilet paper, sending them an ad about it uh, the next day isn't going to have that much of an effect. They're not thinking about it. They don't need it at that moment. Their their needs are are met. However, if we know that they haven't bought some in in quite some time, if we know they've been searching about uh, deals on on toilet paper and we can tell them, hey, here's our product, where you can buy it, and that it's on sale, that has much more of an effect uh, when, when it's top of mind for them. Very cool. We're going to sort of shift gear a little bit and look back now. Uh, you know, over the last year, it's been obviously uh, a very difficult time for many communities around the world. And consumer habits obviously changed in that time. So how is Kimberly Clark adjusting to these shifting consumer habits? Now we're here in 2021, over a year after the pandemic really uh, hit. Well, as you know, demand in many of our categories, especially toilet paper, was was really affected during during the pandemic. And for us, our top priorities in in these still turbulent times are to keep our people safe and then deliver these essential products that people depend upon um, all across the globe. Uh, this was before I even arrived here. I'm I'm so proud of the marketing that the team did for Cottonelle during this time. You might have seen the share. Square campaign. It's not often as a brand that you tell people not to buy your products, but that was really what was needed at the time to discourage, you know, hoarding behavior so that everyone could could get what they needed. So while we're not putting that message out there any longer as our supplies have stabilized, I'd say that thinking on how to move fast with relevant messaging is is a new muscle that was built then, and we're using that now um, in many many other ways. Um, as for the underlying consumer habits, actually, those haven't changed that much. You know, the need for essential products is 
constant uh, habits when it comes to changing your baby or having a period or using toilet paper haven't really changed that much, thank goodness. Um, but but what's what's changed, you know, are some new products that can meet these needs, but even more so the channels and the methods that consumers are using to get these products. Uh, so we talked about, you know, e-commerce surging and, and, you know, we're adapting to meet our consumers when and where they're seeking us out. And last year, of course, we also saw a lot of social and political upheaval uh, around the world. And it's drawn attention, uh, especially for businesses, to be more aware, culturally aware, uh, especially when it comes to cultivating a, a more diverse workforce. Uh, how's Kimberly Clark responded to that? This is such an important area. You know, so many things that have happened in the world over the last year have have brought it into sharp focus. So, you know, this past June, we hosted our second annual Global Inclusion Week. Um, it featured over 9,000 of our employees from almost 60 different countries and workshops, small group discussions, keynote addresses, and, and most importantly, brainstorming sessions. And, and it was wonderful to see because... It was all centered on inspiring Kimberly Clark's people to better understand and activate that culture of, of inclusion. And, um, you know, one thing that our team put together for all of our marketers that's really helped rally our activities is the development of company-wide brand responsibility principles. So we've always had brand safety guidelines. These are the things to prevent our brands from showing up around hate speech and discriminatory content. But that's the minimum that brands can do, especially these days. We wanted to elevate the conversation to what we should do. You know, we have a significant amount of spend and share of voice. How can we use that to help uplift and represent our wide consumer base? So whether that's depicting consumers of different backgrounds in our ads or ensuring our media dollars are supporting underrepresented voices or you know, even ensuring we have the right people at the tables um, in our internal marketing teams and our, our marketing ecosystem. I've been really encouraged by seeing what our brands have been able to do in so many places and in this area. We had a, a great one here in the U.S. recently, a campaign with Cottonelle and Black Health. And this is a group that uh, we worked with to use our voice to bring attention to colorectal cancer, which disproportionately uh, affects Black people, and doing it in a fun and compelling way, because this isn't an easy thing to talk about. Most people don't want to talk about it, but our brand has the equity to to support that. So um, a lot more to, to do here, but um, really pleased with the progress and, and the mindsets that I'm seeing changing in our, our teams to embrace this thinking. I, I want to ask you about how the pandemic changed your linear and CTV strategy, like moving forward. Do you have any insight on that? Yes, CTV is a really exciting space. We've seen a lot of success in reaching our consumers effectively with it. Now, linear TV is still a key part of our overall reach plans, but considering that viewership is down, I think over 20% um, for, for adults 18 to 34 in key markets like, like in the US, it, it can't be the only thing that we do. So complementing our total video plan reach with CTV is really giving us effective scale, especially with 
with these light TV households. We've seen a lot of great results, not just from the targeting and that being really compelling with CTV, but really have been enjoying and, and seeing good results from the expanded creative opportunity that CTV has offered us too. You know, there's shorter formats, bumpers, pause ads, and, and the ability to do, um, you know, more sophisticated sequential messaging and retargeting that's, that's just not possible with linear TV. I want to touch back on this idea of social responsibility again. Uh, Kimberly Clark has pledged to dramatically reduce its carbon footprint by 2030. As a global executive at the company, how do you begin to kind of market that message? And why is it an important part of your strategy? Yes, yeah, so we've got ambitions for 2030 that include a commitment to reduce the carbon footprint of, of our operations and supply chain uh, for our brands by 50% um, for certain types of, of emissions, which is a big, big shift and, and change. I, I think it's it's really exciting. Um, as you can probably imagine, it's not an easy thing to, to do and, and requires a lot of work um, from a lot of different sides and angles, but it's it's so, so very important for us to, to to do. You know, we're thinking about how does this come to life um, as communications to our consumers? Um, just a few years ago, I think it was mainly fringe groups that were really advocating for brands and, and products to make these types of commitments. But now it's really widespread among a lot of consumers, this care for the environment and, and asking brands and companies to step up and help. Um, I, I know my own awareness of it and the things that I can do in the space has grown a lot lately. So we're trying to take that into account with each of our brand's unique equities to determine the most impactful way of sharing the progress and the goals. So just to shift gears here and uh, talk a little bit about Chicago for a second. That's where you're based. And and we heard that Kimberly Clark is creating a new North American commercial center uh, for its business in Chicago. Can you tell us what that is? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, uh, we we announced uh, recently that we are creating a new North America commercial center for our Kimberly Clark North America business and in that will be in Chicago. Uh, so we're transitioning um, a number of, of roles and people from our Nino, Wisconsin campus down to Chicago. So we're excited about this. These moves are to position um, our North America team for continued long-term sustainable growth. You know, we want to be closer to our commercial partners, especially in, in marketing. You know, many of our agencies and, and key partners are, are based in, in the city, as well as a lot of great uh, you know, potential talent uh, being here. And uh, just a quick fire question on my end, but how do you feel about deep dish pizza? Oh, love it. Uh, there's so many good options here. It's one of my favorite things that I've been enjoying about Chicago since moving here. So is one of the ways you're luring back employees to the office by enticing them with some deep dish pizza from Luminati's or like, tell us about that because you started in April of 2020. What was that like? Yeah, it hasn't been easy. Uh, there's uh, a lot of, of change, obviously, happening really, really um, 
fast uh, in in the world right now, and uh, and starting here in in the pandemic, I haven't actually met my team in person. Um, I haven't uh, been into the office, but I, I'd say you know I feel fortunate to have come from the tech industry where a lot of change is is wholesale expected, um, and I think that helped me bring a bit of that mindset of agility to to everything um, you know we do. Uh, what I've loved so much about Kimberly Clark and starting here is that there's this really strong culture of caring that underlies all of our work, you know, caring for our consumers, caring for each other. And that's helped us a lot to kind of manage through this time of uncertainty where we're all together and working through it and has helped uh, the team, uh, I think, um, acclimate to me and vice versa. And that's it for The Current. Stay tuned because next week we'll have Doug Milliken, VP of Marketing and Transformation at Clorox. If you can't keep up with what is the evolution of the, of the consumer in the outside world, you're going to cease to exist. The Current is produced by James T. Green and Kiara Powell. Greta Cohn is our executive producer. Rick Juan is our mix engineer. Our theme is by Loving Caliber. The Trade Desk team includes Cassie Crosby, Yvonne Sikic, and Kat Vesey. The Current is a production of Transmitter Media. And remember... Just having distribution, just having a great brand isn't isn't enough. Um, Consumers expect more of a value exchange from their products aside from just the physical product itself. So we really need to figure out how to bring that to them. And and digital is the unlock to do it at, at scale. I'm Damien. And I'm George. And we'll see you next week.